Hello, it's Marcus Kauke here from the Inquisitor podcast. And today I am absolutely delighted to have David Walsh as my guest. David is an expert in YouTube and helping people to develop their presence on YouTube and grow their following. So David, would you mind just giving a quick introduction to who you are and your journey that got you to where you are today? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be here. So my story starts back, well, for YouTube anyway, starts in 2013. I was doing web development at the time, had no new clients coming through. A couple of clients were coming to an end. So typical scenario where they're paying half up front, half at the end. So the money had come in, but there was nothing else coming. No other business in the pipeline. So my wife then, fiance at the time, wasn't working. So those two of us that were out of work, for want of a better word. It was beginning of the year, so for her, wasn't much work. And for me, people weren't really taking on new work come the, the first quarter of the year. So it was a bit of a squeaky bum time. Living in London, it's not cheap. Anyone who knows England knows London's not cheap. So bills are still coming in. So beginning to wonder what was happening, why I'd let this happen, all this self-doubt, all this sort of blame, all of these things started to come along. So one morning woke up and then just went for a run. That got me out of my head and then allowed me to think more clearly rather than just blaming myself and wondering what I should have done, et cetera, et cetera. So luckily enough, came up with, well, what worked before that I could replicate again? So when I got back, didn't even shower, just went straight to the laptop, looked at stuff and realized that I put up four videos on my then sort of not much YouTube channel. And those four videos brought in four clients, which was worth about 10K's worth of business. So I thought, well, what the hell was I doing that I'd stopped doing that? Four videos, 10 grand. If I kept doing that, that would have been a lot of people in my pipeline. So it was a no-brainer. Decided if I'm going to do this YouTube thing, that I'm going to do it properly. I was doing web development, talk about product launches. So there's no point in doing that because I have about 15 videos and then I'm stuck. And one of the things about YouTube is being sustainable, that you can do it for 12 months, 24 months, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, I'll do YouTube, talk about YouTube, because at the time, there was no one really out there that was helping people, helping businesses learn YouTube and use it for themselves to build their business. So February 19th, 2013, put my first video up, got a thousand views in the first day, added 75 subscribers to my YouTube channel in one day. So I thought, hmm, this thing works. So since then, I've built it up, got to 10,000 subscribers in 10 months, and now I'm approaching 160,000 subscribers on my channel. Wow. Okay. So there are going to be a lot of people out there spitting feathers. And the obvious question is, do we need to have cat videos? Okay, so YouTube isn't for cat videos. The whole internet is actually for cat videos. Tim <laughs> Berners-Lee last year, the year before, made the announcement that after inventing the internet, he saw that for the 30 years or 20, 30 years that it's been alive, that the internet exists for cat videos. So that's, <laughs> we'll take a, just a portion of that and talk about YouTube. No, YouTube isn't about cat videos. It's not about prank videos. It's not about kids doing stupid stuff. The funny thing is about it that YouTube have understood that 
the how-to space on YouTube is actually very important. It's been growing 70% year on year. And YouTube now have turned around and are actually going to create specific playlists for people to teach. They're called learning playlists. So you can put up a series of videos that walks people through, say, like a mini course or something like that in a logical sequence that their videos go from one video to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And they're bringing that out later this year. So when? No idea yet. They just announced it in the summer, in June at VidCon. So it's one of those things. It'll just appear out of nowhere and they'll go, hey, guys, it's here. They don't tell you anything beforehand. They'll just go, this is coming, but never say when. Well, that makes a huge amount of sense. Tell me this then. I mean, one of the sort of rumors that you hear is that you have to have short videos. But recently I've heard that they seem to be favoring longer videos. What's the truth behind all? Well, the second, the latter is actually the truth. 10 minutes or more is really what people, or YouTube, I should say, really want you to do. And there's good reason for that because YouTube is the platform for longer form video. People will watch, like kids will watch YouTube playing video games for like two hours, an hour and a half, two hours, no problem. People will understand that if they're learning how to, like in your case, how to get more sales, if the video is 15 minutes, because you've got 10 tips on the best way to get more sales or get more leads, then they will understand that 15 minutes, they will do that. So longer form video is actually the thing on YouTube right now. And funny thing that I noticed even on Facebook, they're beginning to promote longer form videos as well. Okay, so the obvious question at this stage then is how do you create video content that sustains interest so the dwell time goes to the end rather than just clicks off at one minute six? It's like a long-form sales letter. How do you get somebody from the headline at the beginning to the buy button right at the very end? And it's a number of things. First, like with the sales letter, you have to capture their attention in the first five seconds. So that is your title, your thumbnail, and your introduction to your video. If Again, if we're taking the sales aspect, we can go, these are the top five things that kill sales in almost every situation. So anyone who's a salesperson who's lost a sale will be intrigued and interested into what that content is. Now, there's a number of things in there that we've also used numbers as well. We've already set the expectation that there are five tips or five tricks or whatever it is. Now, if we went to the top 10 things or the top 15 things, we've also set the expectation as well. So the bigger the number, the bigger the expectation, and they understand it's going to take, it's not going to be two minutes, you're going to cover everything. And what about in terms of creating attractive, compelling content. Yes. Can you give us some tips? And first of all, what not to do? Well, the number one thing not to do is to waffle because people hate waffling. You need to be short, succinct, and straight to the point. If you have an anecdote or a story that is associated with, say, those five or 10 tips, that's good. But again, make sure that the anecdote is, A, very applicable to what it is you're trying to prove. And second of all, that you cut out all the fat off what you're saying. So it's nice, short, and succinct. If it has an element of humor, even better. Okay. And in terms of compelling content then, we've talked about numbers. We've talked about attractive headline. We've talked about good tags and keywords. Yeah. And a decent thumbnail. What does a decent thumbnail look like? 
Okay, so what you want is no more than four lines of text, preferably two or three. three. I tend to use three or four lines of text. Big blocks of text that people can read because when people are thumbing through the app on their YouTube on their phone, that you have like a split second to be able to capture their attention. So if you're like this big in the thumbnail, say if you're, and you've got loads of text that nobody can read and it's too small, then they're just going to go by. They're not going to stop. You want a big block of text. You want a nice face. A friend of mine, Jeremy Vest, has done his studies on this, that a face with eyes that you can look at the eyes of the person work very well on thumbnails. So if you have a, an inviting expression or an intriguing expression, then that causes curiosity on the thumbnail as well. And again, going back to your headline, what's that hook for the video that you can put that text on there? Could you give us an example? Yes. Just before you said, I was trying to come up with an example of that. Again, back to our sales thing, top five things killing your sales. So if you have that in big block text, so you'd have top five things killing sales. So that would be four lines, nice big block text. And then you have a facial expression that sort of denotes that you're killing your sales. Like it could be an angry face or a frustrated face or something like that. Then that would be quite a good thumbnail. Okay. And moving on to mobile usage, I've heard that very large proportion, I think 70% plus of 70%, yeah. is currently consumed on the mobile. Yeah. And often with the sound off. So it sounds yeah. to me like subtitles are really critical. How yes. do you go about getting subtitles onto your videos? So, well, the easiest way, well, the lazy way is to let YouTube do it for you. Now, it isn't always the best thing because it's machine and they don't necessarily get the correct words. So you will get about 90% correct. Obviously, if you have an accent, say if you're from Scotland or Birmingham or Liverpool or something like that, some words will get misspelled because the machine doesn't understand your accent. So what I do is I go to Rev.com, very good service, a dollar a minute. It's a very cheap, very good way, effective way to get subtitles done. And you'll know that it's, it's going to be 99.999% correct. It is excellent. And it also allows you to edit. So if there are uh, tiny yeah. copy errors, then you can edit it and correct it. Exactly. And you can also put it like if there's specific jargon of words that you use you can put them in beforehand so they know to use those what those words are when they come across them in the, in the audio the other thing i like about it is that you can anglicize it so it gives you uk rather than american english exactly exactly it gives you that flexibility what about the headlines i mean one thing that i learned a long time ago was the headline seems to be critical to any yeah. content and I use a tool called CoSchedule from HubSpot, which is a headline analyzer. Do you have any tips in terms of how to come up with really effective headlines? Funny, I've been studying this last week and I've come up with eight, I think it's eight elements of a good t a video title. And again, I don't have them here in front of me, but it would be like you want aspiration plus obstacle plus time, something like that. So you have, like if we're talking about property education, it would be how to buy a house with no money in six months or less. 
Ah, so you have right. aspiration, which is how to buy a house, problem, yeah. which is no money, and then you have time, which is six months or less. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think another triumvirate that I've heard of was scarcity, controversy, and urgency. Yes. They're probably exactly the same thing what we just talked about. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And in terms of keywords, because this is something that I've never got to grips with, and I know you've had a look at my channel, which probably <laughs> made you wince a bit. Keywords. How do you go about finding the right keywords? How do you know which ones are going to be directly relevant to your audience? Well, the quickest way is actually to use YouTube against itself. If you go to the search bar and start typing in your keyword, how to get sales leads, uh, once you start typing in how to get, say, you know, SAL, then it will, the text, the predictive text will tell you what terms other people are putting into YouTube looking for your content. So, and they are ranked by order of vol search volume. So the one that is, that comes up first is actually the most popular one that is being searched on YouTube. Okay. So I'm going to be slightly selfish here because one thing I've noticed is with regard to the work that I'm doing around the channel, channel is the ginger-haired, bastard, ugly stepdaughter of direct sales. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of content around it, which is great news. So from my perspective, I like the fact that there isn't a lot of competition around, but also a lot of people aren't searching for it. Yeah. How do you create keywords and headlines that appeal to an audience where they don't necessarily know they need that how-to information? Well, that's where you've got to go up one level. So you're specific at channel sales. So you have to go up to sales. Yeah. So how to get leads. Well, that works for people in sales, channel sales, whatever type of sales. Right. So you can, be, you can go with a general section first, how to get leads, dash, how to get leads for channel sales. So you go big picture, then chunk it down into little picture. All right. Okay. And in terms of creating content that's got mass appeal, you often hear people say that you need to have viral videos. Is this true? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What I found with like my own channel and clients' channels time and time again is that you're going to have one video that's going to do, it's going to outperform everyone else. It's going to do the same. It's going to do more volume, more views, more watch time than every other single video put together. You cannot orchestrate this. It's usually the video that you least expect people will want to watch that does the best out of everything. Like for myself, a couple of years ago, I had a video that was called How to Download a YouTube Video. It was doing 500,000 views a month. Wow. You said, this is against our terms of service. You should not have this on your channel. And they get me a strike. Now I've got one is How to Set Up a YouTube Channel. That one is, again, doing 50% of my whole views and watch time on my channel right now. So you're going to get one video that's going to outperform everything else and it's going to drive the rest of your channel. But you cannot predict it. The one that you think that you've put all the hard work into, that you think is going to bring, you know, it's going to win Oscars, all of that sort of thing, is not going to do a thing. That one that you least expect is your throwaway video, you just go, you know what, I'm just going to throw it up there. And then all of a sudden it just goes boom. This then obviously raises the question about volume of views. Yes. I've seen a lot of people generate a lot of volume despite the fact that their content isn't great. 
But in my experience, I'm more interested in getting the right kind of views. So the content needs to appeal directly to the audience that I want to engage with. So how do you make the judgment in terms of when you're planning and designing your video content schedule and designing the structure of those videos to make sure that you're really focused on that niche rather than on trying to offer mass appeal? I understand who you're talking about. Now, there are some channels out there that are going after the vanity metric. They're going after the million subscribers. They're going after the million views, that sort of thing. And they will buy those metrics because it makes them look good. It isn't necessarily that YouTube have done them. You're absolutely fantastic. And the world has said, yes, we love your content. We want to be, we want to share the journey with you. So you want to be careful not to look at some people who may look like outliers in your marketplace that they're doing phenomenally well. You think it's all organic. And when the reality is, it isn't. A lot of it is paid. So you don't want to necessarily look at somebody who's got 100,000 or a million subscribers, whereas everyone else in your marketplace has only got 10 or five or two. So that's the first thing is to step away from the vanity metrics. So what you need to focus on is, well, what are those videos that time and time again, when you type into YouTube are coming up that do have like 100,000 views or 50,000 or 200,000 views. Those ones, not just from that person who's bought all those views and subscribers, is who else out there is doing similar numbers that you know is organic. So those videos you want to replicate to get the quickest bang for your buck on your YouTube channel. You want to replicate similar content, obviously, when you're creating, it's going to be your perspective. So it's going to be different in that respect. But you want to have a look at what tags they're using, how long the videos are. So if the videos are typically 12 to 14 minutes, then you want a video that's 12 to 14 minutes. A four-minute video will not perform quite as well as those other videos. Interesting. So YouTube obviously has a business model. And yes, the business model is to sell eyeballs on adverts. How do you harness their motivation to promote your video? Because it seems to make more sense to go with the system rather than yeah, fight. Absolutely. So I touched on it on the last, my last answer is because what we're looking at here is suggested videos. So you get an element of search, but suggested videos is probably the quickest way to get discovered on YouTube. So again, when you have content that is of a similar nature to the ones that are already doing quite well. You have a similar length. You're using the same tags on your videos, a similar title. Then, especially when it comes to length, if your video is very similar to theirs, then when the people find their video and if they've got like 100,000 views or whatever, then the chances are that your video will pop up on the right-hand side in the suggested videos, especially when your video is a pro- the same similar length. Because if they've got a 14-minute video, they're going to get about seven to eight minutes of watch time. And if you've got a 14-minute video or a 15-minute video, their anticipated watch time of your video is going to be similar. They will think, oh, this guy's got a similar video. He's going to get another seven to eight minutes of watch time. And as you've touched on, their business model, which is the same for every social platform, is to keep people on the platform as long as possible. So you've touched on a really interesting point in terms of length of video 
versus the actual viewing time. Yeah. Does YouTube penalize the video producer if people cut off before the end of the video? Okay, so that's called percentage watch time. And chances are that people will leave your video before the end. You're not going to get 100% watch time, especially if you've got 10, 20, or 100,000 views on your video. Again, once you've got engaging content, you're going to have an average watch time of about 60, between 45 to 60%. And that's what you're ideally looking for. If it's 70% or above, then your videos are too short. Right. Okay, that's interesting. So what do you need to put into the first 45 to 50% of your video? Your first 30 seconds is actually the most critical. And that's where you're going to typically lose the most people. Working with clients, working on our own channels, we find that 30, you can lose about 30, up to 30%, maybe even 40% of people in the first 30 seconds if your content isn't good. And that's where people don't introduce the problem or what the content is about. They're talking about themselves too much or they're just talking about themselves in general. And they don't get to, here's what the video is about. Here's a brief five-second thing about me and who I am. Here's more here. And we're going to get into the content. So you want to get into your content quickly as you can within about 30 seconds, 30, 40 seconds. That will then predict how long people will stay in. And as long as your content is good, that it isn't waffle and you're not waffling in your videos, then people will pretty much stay all the way through to a good 50 to 60%. So does it make sense to have a call to action somewhere in that first three or four minutes? Absolutely. So are we trying to get the call to action in the first 30 seconds? So what I do, like if you go to my channel, you'll see that I've got intro what the video is about. I've got a five-second sting. Then I've got an intro, brief intro about me, again, reinforcing what the video is about. And then a call to action to hit the subscribe button and hit the notification bell and then get into content. So it's around that 30 to 40 second mark that will get into the content itself. Sometimes if I have to sort of preface the content about if it's an update on YouTube, it might take 60 seconds, but I'm still in talking about the content in that first 30 to 40 seconds. What do you mean about the notification bell? So there's two, like YouTube is a double opt-in system now. So as before, you used to click the subscribe button and anyone who clicked the subscribe button would get an email in their inbox every time a video was uploaded. Now you had to hit the, the subscribe button and there's a little bell that pops up, which signifies that you want to be notified, i.e. get an email every time a video is uploaded. And where is that bell? So when you hit the subscribe button, the little bell will pop up. Ah, right. Okay. So if we look at the stickiness of a channel, what tips and advice can you give to get people coming back? Are there any tips in terms of how not only the content, but what you say in the content to get people to come back? Yeah. So the number one thing you need to be is predictable. So just like the six o'clock news is at six o'clock or news at 10 is at 10 o'clock, you need to be predictable, i.e. that you've got your videos being uploaded on the same day, preferably at the same time on the same day as well. So that could be, say, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, your content goes out or Tuesdays at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. as my videos go out. So you need to be predictable. And that's the first thing you need to do. So you put that on your channel banner, you mention it on your videos. So when you have your call to action to subscribe, you go, hey, 
Make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be notified every time we upload videos every Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Presumably then investing in a, some form of scheduling tool makes sense? Well, you don't need a scheduling tool. YouTube has it built into the platform. Oh, right. Okay. So you can upload six months worth of content and then just schedule the crap out of it and it'll all do it for you because YouTube, again, wants to make it easy for you to upload content and have content going out on a regular basis. And how do you go about doing that? Where do you find that tool? When you go to upload, you'll see the option is schedule. So you've got public, unlisted, private, now scheduled as well. Right. Okay. Excellent. And you mentioned to me last week about branded channels. What's yes. that? So a branded channel is, there's just two types. There's a personal channel, which is you have to have a first name and a last name. You can't deviate from that. And a branded channel is typically where you can have one name, two names, three names, 10 names, whatever in the, the title of, or the name of your YouTube channel. It's the business version of YouTube, which allows you to add up to 50 managers. And you can then, you can also, if you want to sell your channel, you can then give that over to someone else. So it gives you a lot more tools than just your normal personal channel, which typically most people will have. Okay. And I've heard about this thing of vlogging. What's that all about? <laughs> so video blogging, yes. It's something for the kids. I did try it for a couple of months a few years ago just to test it out. It's not easy. And for businesses, it's not necessarily something that will work for them. It's typically something that the kids want to see behind the scenes stuff. They want to see what your life is like. So unless you are a personality or celebrity and your celebrity is your business, then it isn't much use for businesses. Right. Okay. Phew. Okay. That saves me. <laughs> so I've let us all off the hook there. <laughs> right there. So tell me this then. Can you give us some examples of the work that you've done so that we can see the journey that you take people through? that we can expect to go through if we adopt some of the tips that you've advised on? So one of the best performing clients that I've had is a guy called Samuel Leeds. So youtube.com forward slash Samuel Leeds. And Samuel is a great guy. He does property education. So how to invest in property. So we started working just over a year ago. He had just hit the 10,000 mark on his channel and wanted to become the number one channel for property in the UK. He was number two, so that didn't sit well with him. He wanted to be number one. And again, he was in a situation where, which a lot of people feel, is that there's people outperforming me, but their content is, isn't anywhere near as good. I'm doing better content. I'm doing better videos. I'm helping better people. But they're still outperforming me on YouTube. And why the hell is that? The universe is doing a disservice here somehow. So we went to rectify that. So again, we gave him the strategy, what content he needs to create. We made him predictable as well, because one of the things he was doing is uploading between two and four videos a week as and when he created them, rather than saying, I'm going to do specific videos on specific days. So the first thing we did was set up the strategy of three pieces of content per week. So Monday was Motivation Monday. No, Mentoring Monday, because he wanted to do how-to content. Then Wednesdays was Winners on a Wednesday, because he wanted to interview his successful students. So, and that has a twofold thing is, A, it shows that you're helping people and you're a success with 
teaching people. And B, you also get great content from them because they walk through the ins and outs and the problems and the thing that they've had and how they've overcome them. So they've got great content as well. And then Friday was, we had a different theme every Friday because he had a lot of other stuff to do. So just making those things, making those themes on his channel totally revolutionized what happened. And keyword research a couple of months later and mentoring Monday and winners on a Wednesday were actually becoming search terms when it came to property investments. So those themes themselves became searched for. Right. So they became the hoover of YouTube. Exactly. So people go, oh, I want to watch a winners on a Wednesday. So they were branded very well. And again, the, the alliteration works phenomenally. They were branded and then people began to look for them in their own right. So with that, his channel was growing uh, nicely. Then last Christmas, he wanted to release a 34-minute documentary where he basically ate his own dog food, that he took his own knowledge. He gave himself 80 pounds for a week, paid for a hotel, went to a city he didn't have any properties in, and then had to do a, a deal, property investment deal with no money. So he had to find A, the property, and then B, the investor that he could do a joint venture with to do that deal with. And he gave himself five days to do so. Wow. So the, the video tracked his journey. And it was very interesting how he was getting thrown out of property events and his car broke down. All these weird things were happening, as you would in a good reality TV show that kept people captivated all the way to the end. And I won't give the end. The end is very emotional. It made me cry. But what he did at the end was phenomenal. So we released that. We said a lot of things and foundational things for that to happen. First of all, we got buzz about the vid going before the video was released. So we released, it's what call, it's called YouTube Premieres. So basically, it puts a big thumbnail up where the video is. You can upload the video, pop it up there, nice big thumbnail, and people can start commenting on the video before it's released. So we sent emails out to his list to say, hey, Video's coming December 26th, 7 p.m. UK time. Put a comment on the video to let me well, First of all, you can hit the notification. There's a little notification button on the video so they'd be notified when the video goes live. So that's number one. And then the second thing was to let me know what you think is going to happen, whether I'm going to fail or whether I'm going to succeed. So we already got engagement on the video before it was released. Interesting. And so where's he gone from and... So from X to Y by when? So, yeah. So December 26th, so Boxing Day, 7 p.m., video went live. We had 728 people watch the video live as it went out. Comments were coming in. They were absolutely phenomenal. So we got, we sent an email up again before the video. Hey, the video is live. To make sure people are on there. And the next day, because I was on holiday in Cyprus at the time over Christmas, so we're texting forward and back. And I sent him a WhatsApp going, are you sending an email out with the comments about the people watching the video yesterday? He goes, well, I wasn't. And I said, well, I text him back, says, you are now. One comment was there, I've done 40 years of property investment in Canada, and I've learned more in 34 minutes than I've done in 40 years. And I said, you've got to screen capture that and stick it out in an email. So took a load of comments, popped it in an email sent it out to his email list going, hey, if you haven't watched the video, here are some of the comments that people have left already. Here's why you should watch it. So we had a reason for them to go watch it. We had a reason for people to go watch it again. People watched it two or three times, which is great. And then January 1st, 
came along. And of course, when everyone is making their New Year's resolutions, money happens to be one of the top ones. So the video was called Financial Freedom. Then YouTube took that, made it go viral. We had 1 million views in less than a month. He went from 13,667 subscribers to 37,600, something like that, in one month. So he tripled his subscribers, made a viral video, and he is now on track. A year later, he's on 95,000 subscribers. So tell me this. I mean, obviously, that's the vanity metric. How does it translate into pipeline and actual closing? Perfect. Perfect. Love this question. So. Talking to Samuel in January, I actually did a presentation to a mastermind group that he had just joined. And I was doing it on behalf of Samuel to show how we grew his business. So Samuel went from doing rooms. His thing is to get people to an event, do a two or three day training, and then upsell them into his programs. So he had was doing rooms of two, three, four hundred. He was doing quite well with that. Shortly afterwards, he had a room of 1,000 people in London. He had 980 people show up for a free event, which is like events in general. If you get a 90% show up rate in an event in general, you're doing phenomenal. But he had 98% on a free event. He asked the audience, who here is here because they watched the YouTube video? 70% of the audience had done that. Now, when I was doing the presentation for Samuel, he was asked, so again, he was asked this very question. So what has that, how has that helped you? Well, sales guy showed me the numbers from Infusionsoft and he was making £3,927 per week selling free stuff. So that was free money, four grand a week, free money. And he gives away his book, Property Investor's book, free plus shipping. And he was sending out, he'd gone from 20 to 30 books a month to 194 bucks a day. Wow. So presumably that requires some drop shipping. He was doing the fulfillment in the house. And I said to him, your staff hate you. They didn't sign up to work in an Amazon fulfillment center. Yeah, he's given it to uh, an outsourcer. So they print, print on demand and ship as well for £2.20. So he can actually make some money off that as well. And well, the biggest thing is that he's just done his first event in Birmingham Arena two weeks ago. How many people? I have no clue, but I'm sure it's in the thousands. Okay. And how's that affected his business in terms of revenue percentage growth? So I don't know the exact figures, but I would conservatively say that it has done a minimum of double his business, a minimum of double his business. He's opened up an office in London. He has moved himself from Birmingham, from Wolverhampton to London. So he's doing okay. And YouTube is still the number one platform for him to generate leads from. How do you use different social media platforms in order to seed your YouTube channel? So like if you're using Facebook, Instagram, those things, you can use, again, people still think that they're shorter form content. Instagram still is, Facebook is pushing longer form content. They want people to watch 10 minute videos or more. So they're trying to follow what YouTube are doing. But you can put teasers up there. We successfully put up, like you'll put up like a two-minute teaser about the content so you can give snippets of what that is. And then you'll have a just a call to action on the end. If you want to see the rest of the video, head on over to watch your YouTube video. And then you put the video in the first comment of the, the post, not the post itself. 
that's because you lose organic reach. So if you if Facebook see a YouTube link in a post, then they won't promote it. Either. They won't give it as much a reach as, as it would normally get. Okay, so the key tip here is to understand that Facebook wants to keep eyeballs on their platform. Same thing with LinkedIn. So Instagram. if you're going to have an external yeah. link, make sure that it goes in the first comment, not in the body copy. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, with Facebook and LinkedIn, that's what you want to do. Instagram is slightly different for using Instagram because you only get one link, which is in your bio. So you can use a service like Linktree or something like that to link it out to your various different other places you want it to go. But with LinkedIn, what we're doing is we can upload that video to LinkedIn natively, have a separate call to action, which can be that if you want, if, if this is of interest to you, contact me directly. Because LinkedIn is a business platform, so if you're looking for business from it, then you're not going to be as penalized as much. Or you can also go, hey, if you really enjoyed this video, make sure to head on over to a YouTube channel where we've got a full library of content to help you with getting more sales or whatever your market is. As we know, the big problem with LinkedIn is trying to find people's posts. So where there's a problem, there's an opportunity to use YouTube to overcome that problem. Okay, so let's move on to production values. You see a lot of videos that are done off the back of someone's phone. Others are animated. You've yeah. got slide share, and then you've got full professional production. What kind of videos tend to work best in a B2B context? B2B is, is like it's still human to human, whether you're B2C, B2B, whatever, it's still human to human. So I still recommend a talking head video is going to outperform any other video on the longer term. You can get away with animated videos. You can get away with slides, videos, and stuff like that. But people want to see someone. They want to see their face. They want to see their body language. They want to see their gestures. They want to be able to connect with them and know if they can trust them. So a talking head video in the long term is going to outperform every other video, hands down. So whether that is you're shooting with your phone on a tripod or something like that, or you are doing the selfie-style video, the higher the quality of the video, the better. Now, it could be that you just stick your phone on a tripod because that's good enough. If you've got a, a decent light source or you get some good lights, you can get them for like 200 quid. You can get some decent box lights, box lights on Amazon or eBay. And that can be more than enough to create good content with. You can get away with the selfie style, hey, I'm just come out of a meeting type thing and here's what I've learned. You can get away with that for a certain amount, but people won't, business people won't stick around and watch that time and time again because if they get motion sickness, then that's definitely not going to help them. So, but I just recommend start out, if, if you don't want to spend money on a camera, get your phone. Your camera phones these days are more than enough to start with. Get a cheap tripod, 20, 30 quid, and just pop it up in front of you, click it on, and start recording. Okay. So what about storytelling on video? Yes. How do you go about creating compelling stories? Okay. So there is a caveat with that. A, if your content, if a story enhances your content, then use it. If it doesn't, then don't. With the sales situation, so it could be the top five ways you're killing sales. So you could tell a story to emphasize your point in every one of them, and it can work very well. 
Now, if you're crap at telling stories, I wouldn't start telling stories until you've got enough practice, whether it's off camera or talking with people, to be able to pull that off. Me personally, I'm not a great story. I do have great stories, but I don't have a good construction for stories. So I don't have things in the right order or I don't bring elements in that I should do because I don't have the right structure for my stories. I can have a great story, but it couldn't get lost in sort of in translation because I don't have the right structure. So until you have a good structure that you know works, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you have good stories that emphasize a point and you can pull it off, then I would definitely recommend it. Are there any story structures that you can recommend or books that people can read, videos? Um, oh, yeah. Story Brand is a good one by Don Miller. Uh, I've done a lot of Don's stuff. I'm using that now in constructing. It's not necessarily my story, but it's the story of the person who's looking at my content that I'll get into their head and, and be, they'll be able to better understand the pains and the issues that they have that I'm helping them overcome. Okay. And... There's obviously the hero's journey story structure. Do you mind talking us through that? Yeah, so classic case would be sort of Rocky or Star Wars, Luke Skywalker being the hero. The problem with the hero's journey is that the hero is always weak. So, and this is why I talked about StoryBrand. StoryBrand takes the hero's journey, but turns it on his head and say, you need to be the guide. You need to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. You need to be Yoda. You're the guide. You're not the hero because the hero was always weak. If you were the hero, you need to make your viewer or your client or your customer the hero because they, they're the ones who have a weakness that you help them overcome. You've been on the journey that they've been on. You're stronger. You have the knowledge. You have, you've walked in their shoes and you guide them along the way. So with your hero's journey is your hero has an obstacle that they need to overcome. They have self-doubt. They don't believe they can do it. They don't believe they have the necessary resources. Then a guide comes along the way. The guide shows them. They basically pull them kicking and screaming through their own crap to be able to get themselves out of the way in order to, to achieve what they want to achieve. So, and that's why I recommend the story, Brand is that Don Miller tells you to become the guide and not the hero in your content. That's definitely great advice. Okay. Again, speaking from personal Better experience. Yeah. I've been accused of being a little scary <laughs> and a bit harsh. And I found that getting some video coaching was really helpful. Do you have any suggestions in terms of how people can improve themselves in terms of their video presence? There's a number of things. First of all, is practice is always helps, but practice in the right way. If you want to look at a good structure for your YouTube videos, uh, check out my YouTube channel. And it's not a shameless plug. It actually is a good resource. Where can we get access to that? YouTube.com forward slash David Walsh online. And binge watch a load of my videos and you will see the same structure time and time again, which is hook, sting, preface about the content, call to action, content, then call to action on the end. And that's a very good structure, which I teach my clients and work with customers as well in our online training to use on their YouTube videos because A, people like it. They will watch more of your videos and B, YouTube likes it as well because you're getting people to watch more of your longer of your content as well. Okay. And in terms of preparation, how important is it to have a script or a structure, yep. framework 
how much rehearsal should someone put into it and how spontaneous should you be? We've already gone through the structure. So the structure is there. Again, just watch, binge watch a lot of my videos. You'll get it by osmosis. So with scripting, I do recommend people, if they're not used to talking in public or used to talking on camera or just used to talking in general, that they do script their content. I scripted my first two, three months worth of content word for word. I stood in front of the camera. I had my page. I would learn one line and I would just talk to the camera, learn that, then repeat that line. Then I would learn the next line, then just speak that line. So, And then in the edits, I was able to just put it together so it looked seamless. So that's one way. If you're crap on camera or crap talking, that's one way that you can do that. And you can use the edits to put it all together and make it look like a good presentation. As you get better, you'll progress then to just needing bullet points. I've seen people do this. They'll take a piece of paper, stick it underneath the camera, and then just have the bullet points underneath. Or they'll just have the bullet points there to the side. And they'll go, yeah, okay, that's my name. I need to include this, 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 and this. Then you get to the point where, like yourself and myself, it will be, give me the topic, I will talk. Boom. You just switch the camera on and off we go. Bum, 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 bum. And you go, is that everything? They go, oh, I need to include this. Maybe I'll go back and include one more point, and then we can fix that in the edit. So that's typically the progression that you will have if you're sort of really bad with making presentations to, you just switch the camera on and you're just ready to roll. Okay, you've mentioned editing several times and this is, sounds not only time-consuming but a bit technical. Is the editor within YouTube sufficient or does it make sense to invest in editing software or even outsource? If you're a business and your thing is not video editing, then I would highly recommend outsourcing. If you've got a six-year-old child who's on YouTube, typically they will have the video editing capabilities themselves. So that's the opportunity for some good cheap child labor. <laughs> so, uh, my <laughs> so you can do that. Um, if you want to run it bootstrap, then you can get, like if you're on a Mac, you will have free software on there. Oh, if you're on Windows, you'll have free software. You'll have free, uh, Windows Movie Maker. You'll have iMovie if you're on a Mac. So you have iMovie is quite decent. Movie Maker is quite clunky, but still does the job. You still have editing capabilities on your laptop. Anyway. If you want to move up your higher end, you're talking Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere, or you've got other ones. If you're using screen capture software, you can use that to edit software, whether you're using ScreenFlow on a Mac or Camtasia. They're now being used for video editing capabilities because once they introduced being able to green screen content, you knew then that there were people were beginning to use it for video editing, not just screen capturing videos. For a business, I would recommend outsourcing it. Get, give it to someone else. Okay, that's sold. What about in terms of background music and soundtrack? Yeah. Is that something that's worth considering? You want to break it up. You don't want just monotonous talking and stuff like this. Putting a nice sort of background track in there will help. And YouTube actually give you a load of music themselves for free. So you can, you know that you're not going to be breaking terms of service or you're using the latest Taylor Swift song in the background and then they're going to monetize your video, take all the monetization, that sort of thing. With that, do not use stuff that's in the charts 
even if it was in the charts in 1964, doesn't make a blind bit of difference. It's someone else's music. You don't have the rights to use it. There's plenty of music for free on YouTube itself, and there's other royalty-free sites that you can get stuff from. So, yeah, just good music that fits the mood of the content, that you keep the volume low so that you can hear the, the voice on the video. Absolutely, go ahead and use it. Okay, you've mentioned monetization, and I know on YouTube there is an option to monetize your channel. Is that worth doing? Yes. We've got clients who are going, oh, I don't want to put monetization on my videos. I don't want my competition to be putting their ads on my videos, etc. When I started out, like I spent the first six months not putting monetize, not enabling monetization, because again, I was thinking the same thing. I don't want my competition putting their videos on their ads on my videos. And I'm going to lose people because they don't want to click off the video, et cetera, et cetera. After six months, I said, let's test this and see what happens. Switched on monetization, zero effect whatsoever. Still had even more people come to my videos, uh, to watch the videos, and my audience grew. And today, we recommend that clients do switch on monetization because YouTube will share your videos more because they know that there's going to be ads on those videos. And at what point in the evolution of your channel should you monetize? Well, YouTube tell you yourself, you need to have a minimum of 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time, which is 240,000 minutes of watch time on your videos. So YouTube will tell you when you can add that on there. So if you're starting out with a brand new channel, you won't be able to add monetization right now until you get to at least 1,000 subscribers. So tell me this, if you had a golden ticket and you could go back to your 23-year-old self and advise the idiot David what not to do in his life and business, what recommendations would you give him? The first thing I would tell myself, and I've had this conversation with myself time and time again, is to follow the opportunities when my intuition told me to do it even as a teenager, to set up certain businesses. I saw an opportunity. I thought that would be a good business. I didn't take the opportunity. And then one or two months later, someone else had taken that opportunity and was, had created a thriving business from that. So that would be the first thing because there's so many entrepreneurial opportunities I missed out on because I didn't listen to the voices in my head, I guess for want of a better word, to actually take them up. So that would be the number one thing that I would do. I'd be, I'd be a lot richer man now if I had. <laughs> okay. And what books have really made a positive impact on your life? I mentioned Story Brand before by Don Miller. That has sort of reshaped how I view marketing, that it's not about me. It's about putting the customer or client as the hero in the story. You're the guide. You're the Yoda. You're the Obi-Wan Kenobi helping them on that journey. So that one's been a good one. What else have I read recently? Ant Miller, the guy from the SAS guy. I've read some of his books recently, and they've been very good for leadership. So they're highly recommended. Yeah, First Man In was excellent. It's a really good guide to very mature leadership. Exactly, exactly. And that has sort of reshaped how I think of leadership and stuff as well. And another one, which I'm halfway through, is Profit First. Yeah, fabulous book. Those have been really good. 
I interviewed Mike Michalowicz for the podcast. So if you're into that, have a listen to the, the podcast with him. Really. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely catch that one. Because uh, yeah, again, I've, uh, his previous books, the Pumpkin book was good as well. Again, he sort of reshapes how you view things and you think, oh, right, yes. A really good book, I'm not sure whether it's still in print, is Marketing Warfare by Jack Trout and Al Reese. Really okay. fun, very simple. You can read it in the bath in about half an hour, but fabulous. 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing as well was a really good primer for marketing. Okay, and who do you follow on YouTube? Good question. I don't follow a lot of people. I will look at like people who do like video, interesting video editing and stuff like that. The name escapes me right now, but he's done a lot for, he does like fantastic videos. Harmon Brothers. They're not necessarily YouTubers, but they do viral videos on YouTube. Anything that they come out with, like they've done Squatty Potty, Poop. Oh, yeah, that's fabulous. That's really funny. I follow their stuff whenever they're bringing something out and videos along that line as well. Is it Travis Scott? No, Travis uh, Supertramp, I think, is his nickname. He does a lot of stuff for big companies, like big brands, like for Sony. He did, he did a, a, a real-life video for a video game which is escaping me which it totally would do assassin's creed so he did the real life Creed free running through paris okay so running the streets running the rooftops in the assassin's creed costumes and stuff and they had set up like carriages and things like that for them to hop on and hop off of as well so that was really good casey neistat is quite interesting from time to time he'll do like when he does did the skate the snowboarding when they had the blizzard a few years ago in New York, or he made an Aladdin's carpet off his uh, electric skateboard and drove around New York. You know, when he does interesting things like that, I find it very interesting to watch because his creativity is very good. Excellent, David. Thank you. This has been a really fascinating conversation. How can people get hold of you? So again, if they want to watch me on YouTube, it's all for free. And there's a library of over 200 videos and that's at youtube.com forward slash David Walsh online. If you like the content, make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be notified every time we upload a video every Tuesday. Shameless plug. That's how you do a call to action, by the way. You can also find me at, if they want to contact me directly, you can get me on LinkedIn, David Walsh online. Or just email me directly, david at davidwalshonline.com. My website, davidwalshonline.com, isn't the best at the moment. We're doing a total redesign, so it's a bit of a disaster at the moment. So contact me directly through LinkedIn or or emails is is the easiest way. Brilliant. David Walsh, thank you very much. It's been inspiring and incredibly informative. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. This is Marcus Kauke from the Inquisitor Podcast signing off. As usual, please subscribe and click the notification button. I have learned something. And if you want to get in touch or you feel that you might be an interesting character to be interviewed, if you've written a book or you have something interesting to say about sales management or channel sales, then please get in touch. I'm on at the Inquisitor, capital T, capital I for the Inquisitor, uh, the underscore Inquisitor on Twitter. And you can get me on LinkedIn as well. That's Marcus Cappy signing off. Happy selling. Bye.